Hello and welcome to Gay for Horror, the show where not all the movies are gay, but I sure am. I didn't, um, I missed Spooky Month. <laughs> if you're going to do a horror thing, I think um, everyone might encourage you to plan for some sort of really special, just not just ordinary, but special uh, installments for October, September, October, and I missed all of September and October and November, so that's just, um, that was an error. But listen, I am, <laughs> I do have, I do have a sort of a surprise review that I want to do uh, for a movie that I just saw that I really didn't know anything about and I just walked into, and I think it's super cool, and I feel like I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it yet, which makes it more interesting and fun for me to talk about. And that movie is called I See You, which is I See You like Peekaboo I See You, not I See You like Intensive Care Unit. And no, there is no pun, which I find confusing. But um, this is a... I think very small, possibly previously shelved, I don't know the history, uh, thriller slash horror movie. Uh, it stars Helen Hunt, Oscar winner Helen Hunt, and John Tenney, and also an actor named Owen Teague, I believe is how it would be pronounced, uh, who is great, who's really good, and I want to talk about that in, in the context of this review. Um, and if you don't know who that is, I didn't know who that was, but it's also the actor who plays... Hawkstetter in It, uh, the uh, most recent version of It, uh, the theatrical version. Well, yeah, the big screen version. Um, anywho, I, I don't want to actually say anything all that much about the plot of the movie. Oh, by the way, I'm going to do, um, no, I, I fucked it up. I'm going to do not spoilers, and then I'm going to ring a bell. It sounds like this. Uh, and then I'm going to do spoilers. And I could just tell you that I'm going to switch to spoilers, but the bell makes it festive. Okay, so I'm not going to say all too much about... Wasn't that special? Um, I'm not going to say all too much about what actually the movie is about, because I feel like, and this is one of the things I do want to talk about, is that the movie is basically impossible to market. And every so often we come across one of those movies, and I feel like they always, always struggle at in terms of box office and in terms of how to sell them. And I don't blame the advertisers because it's a really difficult, confusing sell. But also, I feel like this is what makes the movie special, and I, I want to highlight that because I feel like um, the reviews for it are actually not that bad for a movie that seems like it has a very small kind of possibly checkered past. Um, the reviews are pretty good. They're mixed. Um, but I think this is a really special little movie that everyone should see. And I will mention that it is in theaters, but it's also on digital. So if you did, you know, live in a city that doesn't have it in a theater, which is likely uh, for most people, uh, you can purchase this on a digital rental. Um, so I, I don't want to say much about the movie. The, basically, what I can say is that it's a, a it, it's a it's a town that seems rather quaint and a very sort of lovely, very sort of prototypical family. Which of course means bad things will happen to them, and um, uh, and they are sort of uh, overcome by a strange series of events, which seem a little maybe supernatural or something, and and simultaneously, uh, there is also a child killer on the loose, a returned serial killer, and the father of the family, played by John Tenney, is a police detective who is tasked with finding this. Uh, child killer. 
the nature of the connection between the different parts of the story, and I've actually not yet unfolded all of the parts <laughs> in that initial overview, the nature of the connections are part of why this is special and also, I think, part of why the reviews are mixed. I think this is a movie where there is a lot happening and I think that's beautiful and I think my cup overfloweth. I think there is an incredible escalation of each of those plots. I think they do work together. I think everything really... Uh, pieces together well. I don't think neatly, but neatly is a relative distinction. And I don't think a movie needs to have neatness, right? I don't. I think. I think critical reviews for genre films are by nature often predisposed to gripe uh, with any aspects of those films that depart from the quote-unquote well-made structure, and that is a very classic three-act structure where there is. An introduction, an escalation, a series of obstacles, and then a resolution, and then denouement. This movie doesn't quite work like that. It works well, I think. It's really interesting. It's not chaotic to the point where no one could follow it. It just has a different kind of rhythm in that there's not just a stability and an escalation. There's a kind of series of unstable, tenuous points of ground that were introduced to. Uh, and then those things, the relationship between those things evolves in ways that are not quite traditional. And again, if you want to say it with a skeptical eye, it's all over the place, this chaotic, it doesn't know what it wants to be, which is my least favorite, because guess what? A film doesn't have sentience, it doesn't know shit. But also, how do you know what a filmmaker wanted the movie to be? Like, that's the worst. It, it is many things, and that doesn't mean that it doesn't know what it wants to be. It means that it's many things. And, and why can't we have the good faith to trust that? And I'm going to say, um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not a contrarian by nature, uh, but I'm going to say rather sort of confidently that this movie, the best sort of comparison I can make, and I don't think this spoils anything necessarily, but the best comparison I can make to a recent theatrical experience is, is to Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. And I'm not going to say in what ways they remind me of each other. I'm just going to say that I think they have a lot of thematic qualities that overlap and even some sort of narrative qualities that overlap for me. Um, I think that Parasite's great. I love Bong Joon-ho. I like Parasite a lot. I enjoyed this more than Parasite. Which I know is a controversial statement, and so, you know, bless. I enjoy this more than Parasite. I think, I think that I personally, in my own taste, though I do enjoy and love Parasite and love Bong Joon-ho, um, I, like, I think this is better than Parasite. And part of why I think it's better is I like, I think that the things that people praise about Parasite, it's kind of like, what the fuckness? which I see in reviews a lot, this kind of like, oh, it's this incredible series of surprises, all, you know. I see those reviews, and I just feel like you give the exact same review to this movie or a movie like this movie, but instead of saying it's a wonderful series of surprises, you said it's a chaotic mess, and it doesn't know what it wants to be. And what you really meant was this movie or movies like this movie uh, are genre films their references are genre references it draws from horror movies it draws from ghost stories 
it draw you know ghost stories meaning Hollywood ghost movies uh, and also it draws from other kinds of thriller and suspense kind of family drama stuff. Parasite by comparison is and I'm going to borrow this phrase from Elaine Stritch, who's one of my heroes. She uses this in her one-woman show. Have I mentioned Elaine Stritch before in this context? I think I have. Um, she uses this phrase in her one-woman show, Elaine Stritch at Liberty. She calls Gypsy Rosalie piss elegant, which is a great phrase. So I'm going to steal it. Uh, but Parasite is, by comparison, piss elegant. It's like a Victorian novel. The elements that are loosely considered genre elements are classy. They are about the, you know, the sort of storied home and the sort of dynastic family and the legacy of uh, vengeance and uh, the mad woman in the attic and the ghosts in the cellar. It's all very classy. And it's the cinematography is beautiful. The camera movements are beautiful. So we like that. We being the sort of like critical consensus. Something like ICU is just this other creature, and I think it does so many of the same things so well, if not better. But I think, and, and part of why I really kind of want to champion in that way is I feel like I get frustrated as someone who watches horror movies obsessively. Um, I get really frustrated when critics really rally behind something which... You know, from the perspective of someone who watches horror movies, and I'm not saying this is what Parasite is, but just generally, from the perspective of someone who watches horror movies, and sometimes you read these reviews for these sort of quote-unquote art horror movies, and you're just like, that is a plot I've seen 50 billion times. It's not an original plot. I personally don't need it to be an original plot, but if you're going to cite originality or act like this isn't a derivative script or act like this isn't a, you know, a, a script that has lots of different dimensions that go in different directions, like, apply things universally. You know, if, if you like that and you like variety of tone and you like all of those features, you like multiple overlapping plot, like, give the genre films that are not piss elegant, that are more on the you know, commercial, pulpy kind of, uh, you know, uh, side of things that are more playful, that draw from more popular cinema references, that are, you know, uh, more openly lurid in some cases. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, give those films the same credit. I mean, you can, you can measure it and talk about how one might have a bit of a more sophisticated use of camera movement. Great. But don't act like there's no comparison or there's no relationship. That's not cool. So I think Parasite's great, but I think ICU is also great, and I think you should see both. And what I'm gonna say, if you do, if you rent it, or if you go and you see it, um, you have to commit to it. Just please, just promise me, please promise me, um, <laughs> just because it's me and I'm special, uh, promise me that uh, that you will commit to it and watch the whole thing. Because, and again, I don't want to, this is sort of non-spoilers, so I'll explain this in more detail in spoilers. Which, by the way, even if you haven't seen the movie, like, I, this is a case where I feel like spoilers, I, you know, the, I don't know which way is better. I feel like part of me thinks this movie's more fun if you have a sense of the kind of place as it goes. And then there's part of me that thinks, oh no, you have to watch this and you have to have this same experience that I had because it was great. 
I don't know which. I'm going to leave that burden to you. But anyway, uh, this is non-spoiler, so I'm not going to say what exactly is, what exactly I'm saying here. I'm not going to say it yet. But uh, I think you have to get through the first half because there's really, this is a movie that has kind of two, at least two or possibly three different kinds of movies within it. Uh, it, it sort of gives multitudes and it's not always the same movie. Uh, it, it, it turns in ways that are important and really, really, really transformative. It doesn't just have like twists and turns and like a sense of like, oh yeah, there's lots of surprises. It has twists and turns like the entire story pivots in a way that makes it a totally different movie. Um, possibly more than one. <laughs> uh, and, and that's why it's impossible to market. I think it's really hard for me to describe it without spoilers, and I think that's part of why it's been overlooked. So commit to it, stay with it. And, I, and I, there's two or three movies here, and I, and I would say that the first one works the least. And, and that's the sort of kicker. And I think, and I think that might be a, a, also a part of the negative reviews or the mixed reviews is like the first movie that it is that it introduces to you is the least effective one. And part of that feels very intentional to me. I don't know. I can't say, but part of it feels like there's a movie that it presents, which feels very familiar. And then it goes in these ways where it's not that it's radically unfamiliar, but it's just a different series of paths where it gets more interesting with each pass and so you just you just you have to watch i actually i was in the theater there were two people there and they left before like the first half hour was over which i thought was just an awful choice but they seemed like not great people um <laughs> uh they had phones it was it was it was it was there was unnecessary talking it was very frustrating um but 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 then they left which was i guess good for me bad for them i don't know um, but I think that there is a th kind of threat of like turning it off in the first half hour or, or cutting, you know, just cutting it out the first half hour. And I'm just, I want to preemptively tell you, just don't, don't do that. That's a bad idea. You should watch this whole thing through. It's only like 90 minutes. It's totally watchable. You should just watch it through because I think it goes into totally wonderful, weird, beautiful places, which I will talk about. Um, I'm going to talk about that now. I don't think I can say much more except that this is sort of a puzzle box movie that requires that you go and you see it and, and then talk about it after. And I don't want to spoil it unless you want it to be spoiled. So I'm going to ring my physical bell. And I'm just going to cut to spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled, you can peace out and have a nice rest of the week. Who says peace out? Jesus Christ, who am I? Um, okay. <laughs> I still have a nice rest of the week from Perfume Genius, who's a really great queer singer-songwriter, and he, uh, I've seen his concert, like, twice now, and, uh, he had, he did this stage monologue about how he never knows what to say at the end of a set, and, like, what do you say? Like, have a nice rest of the week. Um, <laughs> so I often tell people, somewhat ironically, to have a nice rest of the week. Um, I have some phone notes I'm looking at right now, that's why I'm sort of, uh, distracted. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about um, camera movement in this movie. I think it's I think it's an interesting movie. Um, I think visually it's really interesting. I want to sort of tie this back to the last thing that I said before we did spoilers, which was that I think there's two or three movies here and the first one works the least. 
Um, you know, I really enjoy. I, I I enjoy the movie the whole way through because I I love uh, shit like this. But the so so this okay. So the movie, if you've seen it or if you don't care, the movie is basically uh, a ghost story that isn't a ghost story again, which is a very classic structure. But it, it the way it's done, I think, is really kind of cool. But it's it's a series of mysterious happenings that seem supernatural or seem like a ghost story, and then of course we find out it's not a ghost story. It's actually sort of a home invasion movie. And then it's also kind of a serial killer movie. It's a lot of movies. And I'm all here for it. Um, but the the first act or so, more than that, it's really like the first 45 minutes, uh, is kind of a sort of... Seems like a kind of mundane... Like... very from a Very too familiar ghost story, in a way. But I love that in the presence of the back half of the movie, because even though it's not a radically interesting idea to make the ghost really a person, we've we've seen it in like we've seen it everywhere. And there's that movie, the the boy, where he's like in the walls. There's a movie called Within, where there's a guy in the walls. Um, you know, even stuff like Black Christmas. There's like you know, there's like a guy in the attic or whatever. Um, you know, like the the call coming from inside the house is not new. But I just feel like the nature of, of what this is is so scary and so simple. And also the thematic implications of it are so cool and great and interesting that I'm, I'm just with it. Uh, but anyway, those first sort of minutes, it, it does sort of feel like almost like a cheesy ghost movie. And, 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 and I guess it is, but I don't really, yeah, I think it's great. And I think in the presence of what happens after, that setup feels really kind of like willfully um, playful. And I mean, they're, they're, I think the moments work. Like I think there's a couple of very intentionally devised visual moments that I think work. Like I, I don't think they work like a home run. And I think if that was the only movie, I think it would be a very kind of like C minus movie. But because the movie goes to many places, the fact that this is just like the starting point is kind of just like a cute kind of opening. Um, and so here's some scenes that I think are shot interestingly, but maybe aren't like the home runs that you would want them to be if, if this were the movie, um, which it isn't, which is kind of the point. Um, but the opening scene of the, the boy on the bike, which I really do like, um, there's a series of shots which are following him riding down this bike, and then there's a couple of really angular cuts to like, basically like, like, um, perpendicular almost angles where the sort of the camera sort of the camera sort of following him down the road and then there's a cut to like a shot that really uh, like pushes in really fast coming from a really sharp like left angle coming to perpendicular to the way that the camera was positioned previously so it feels really kind of disjointed kind of disruptive there's a really strong obvious visual homage to the shining which i can't fault anyone for doing um where you know the bike goes down a path and the camera sort of breaks off into the trees, comes back around. Um, very much the, the shot from the opening of The Shining where the car turns around the bend and the camera just sort of runs off the cliff. Um, I don't know the camera technology that's being used here, and that's probably not my strongest suit, but um, I'm going to guess it's some, some sort of like crane and or probably drone. There's a series of really cool, really fast push-in or pull-back shots that are done often, some on the bike, some elsewhere. I feel like whatever that technology is, when they worked it out, it looked really cool, and then they, on set, were like, we're gonna do that five more times. And I'm not mad at it, but it does, I, I think it's a, I feel like it's a drone, maybe like sped up, because it moves so fast. Um, 
And I think that it has a great velocity and it does have a really cool feeling a lot of times throughout the movie. But anyway, in the bike shot, like that stuff is working. And then there's a really great moment where the, uh, it's like, it's like just nearly a home run. Um, but it's, it's cool, but it's like not quite what I, what, it's not quite what I would want this to be if it were actually a ghost story. But in the presence of it not being a ghost story, I feel like all of this is kind of like, all of it's a ruse. Like the whole first 40 minutes were kind of like in the game, right? the game of the movie in terms of what it's wanting you to believe versus what is happening. But it looks like almost like the kid just got like yanked off the bike by like a, by like a, by like a, an unseen force. And it, he just kind of gets lifted and sort of floats up in the air. Um, and, and then we cut, we cut really fast. There are a lot of really cool, really f sharp cuts, like really f like cuts that are like, um, we're not going to spend a lot of time t talking about this. <laughs> We're not going to spend a lot of time thinking about this. We're just going to, this is going to happen, and then we're going to cut, right, next thing. And I think part of that is is that there's an air of deception in the first act, and I think part of that is also stylistic, because I think even though there's a lot going on in the movie, and it has a sort of air of, of being a little bit bananas um, and kind of uh, chaotic and wonderful, it's, it's not totally unsubtle. I mean, I'll just put that out there. It's not totally unsubtle. I think there's a lot of choices that I think are, are kind of subtle, and nuanced and very intentional. And I think the cuts where we don't get, we don't get aftermath, we don't get a lot of, you know, emphasis. We just get, we get this thing and we know it's happened and we've seen it happen and then we can move on. I think that is actually a really, I think having that kind of air of selectivity about what we see makes the movie a bit more nuanced in a really cool way, in a really good way. Um, and then another moment kind of like this where it's, I think, interesting and it, it sort of works and I really love, I could feel the craft happening and that people were working and I, I love them for that. Um, but it's also, again, if this were the whole movie, we might not be into it as much. Um, but it's this moment where we first meet the son of the family and he's, there's a voice of an unseen person and we think like, is this a ghost voice? Is this a demon voice? Is this a is the movie about him hearing voices and then it's um and then John Tenney like sits up from the sofa and it's his dad just talking to him from out of frame um I think that whatever I think that and the bike scene I think those scenes in consecutive order um those are that's like a that's a that's a that's a sort of a pretty good movie and I and even if that were the only movie what I'm trying to say is even if that were the movie I'd be pretty here for that that, that still seems fun to me even though it feels a little bit um you know I don't know it feels like not quite the most riveting or exciting way to go about it. It still feels like it's a, a ghost, or not to go about it. I, I'm, 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 I'm screwing up the words. Um, it doesn't seem like the most original riveting story, per se. Um, but it, the, the sort of methodology of delivering the story still seems like it's making the strides <laughs> that I want to represent it visually in a way that is interesting. Um, but, but, then every, but then things sh shift and change so much that that becomes like... That becomes the, just a blip. Um, one of the things, just one last thing about particularly camera and visual style, I want to say, um, there's a thing that this movie does that other movies have done, but I think it does it really well, which is um, the sort of keeping the camera on the protagonist of a scene, even if and especially when there is something else happening in the room 
Uh, so, for example, there's a scene where John Tenney is walking down the hallway and around the kitchen area with a gun, and uh, the uh, frog frogman. What are we calling him? The frogman is that his is that his his villain name? And the frogman <laughs> is. Um, also, if you're listening to this without having seen the movie, I love to imagine what you think by Frogman. You see it. Uh, but the Frogman is in... We know he's behind him, but the camera doesn't really visually acknowledge it. The camera just stays trained on John Tenney's character, so we only get these really beautiful half-glimpses of the Frogman, which makes it so much more effective, right? The, you know, the cutting to the scary thing is not that scary. Having the scary thing be in the room but not in the frame is scary. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> I once went to see Slenderman, which was a terrible idea. Don't do it. It's really bad. Um, but there is a... There was a couple with their, like, three small children, age no more than seven or eight, and literally one of the young youngest ones, as we were walking in, said to her father, I'm scared! Just, like, like really, like, cute, like a cartoon character. <laughs> I was scared! Anyway, so, anyway, but the, but it was, it's such a good choice. It works, I think it works, like, it works so well. And I love, I love those choices. Again, to, to the point of the film having really kind of a sense of nuance about how it represents some of these things visually, I think that's a really good choice. And it is, it's not the most, it's not the most showy choice. It's, it's really keeping things to a suspenseful level. Uh, and then it kind of happens again later when, um, I don't, oh gosh, I don't remember the name of the characters. <laughs> Um, the other frog person, uh, the frog woman, uh, when the frog woman is, uh, in that, like, awful argument, guy, don't go to, here's, here's, here's top ten places you should not go into, an RV in the forest that's abandoned with no other RVs around it. It's not a trailer park. It's just one trailer all by itself. What did you do to make the other ones go away? Why is there not? Why is there no company? What? What? Why? Why are you the only light for miles? Why would you walk toward it? Anyway, sorry. Uh, but when when she's in that RV or whatever it is trailer, and we can kind of see that he's behind her, but not totally see it. And that one's really good because he's just barely in the frame. You can just barely see him. And that one is like, it you it's, it registers, but it's not totally clear right away. And it that is, it's cool. It's, <laughs> there's just really great moments here that really, really work, that are very tense and that are visually very interesting to look at. Um, and also they're my taste, so that's my indulgent pitch too. Um, I want to say too, I really love, this is maybe, and this follows from that scene in the kitchen that I was talking about. Um, I, the, the, my favorite moment in the movie, the movie, the moment in the movie that's like the movie for me is the really hard smash cut, uh, from the scene in the kitchen where the frogman swings the bat or the axe, or I think it's an axe, the axe down and then there's a smash cut to, like, 
a shaky handheld camera looking at the garage of the house. And it is so disorienting and so, like, where are we? Is it the next day? Did he... Like, time is disoriented, space is disoriented, the nature of the footage is disoriented because we've not been in a, like, a handheld shaky cam situation thus far. And it's just, all of a sudden, it's just, it, the, it's like, it's, you know, it's like being in a room that's, like, you know, running out of air and then someone, like, opens the door and it lets in all this light and it's just this new thing. It's so exciting. Um... And then this whole other movie opens, and then it's a, and then and then we watch basically the whole movie again from another perspective, and I don't know. I'm sure that there is another movie like this, and maybe it's a really obvious one that I'm stupid for not thinking of. I definitely have seen multiple scenes, like I've seen a scene shown multiple different ways from different perspectives. I can't quite think of a whole movie where you basically watch. 40 minutes from one perspective and 40 minutes from the other perspective. And also, the perspective changes the genre of the movie. Right? Here's the here's the kicker. The shift in perspective is not like, oh, now we go left, but now we go right. The shift in perspective is, we were in a ghost movie. The ghost movie ended. Now we're in a home invasion movie because we're looking at it from a different point of view. It's not just a different position it it the position literally changes the genre of the movie i think that's so fucking brilliant what where like so good this movie's good okay then i watched the whole movie from the perspective of the frog people whose character names i don't remember um, and I'm, 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 I'm a shithead because I don't remember the name of the actress who plays the frog woman. Um, <laughs> I could Google, but then I'd have to push stop and that would just make my brain explode. Um, but these two characters who, despite the fact that I don't remember their names, um, you really grow to care about. And because, again, the genre changed, but also the whole, like, who we care about changes. You know, this is not no longer... Helen Hunt's movie, sorry. Helen, <laughs> this is no longer Helen Hunt and John Tanny's movie anymore. It's been, you know, it's been fully stolen, and we watch them from someone else's eyes. And the best, the best scene in the movie, and this is, this is good. This is a good, 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 good scene. I'm sorry, I don't care. This is good. The scene where, so the surprise that John Tenney murdered Helen Hunt's uh, lover, adulterous lover, whatever, whatever, affair-having partner, um, is that what you called him? <laughs> is, that your, is that his job title, affair-having partner? Um, the fact that John Tenney murdered him is a great surprise. I, you know, I think it's great. Uh, but the part that's crazy good is when we watch the scene the second time, of Helen Hunt crying because she thinks their son killed this guy. Um, and they bury the, bury the body. Uh, but when we watch it back the second time, and we see... Oh, fuck, what is her name? I'm going to look it up, because now it's just so stupid that I... You know, even to double down and act cute about it is just rude. Um, I'm going to look up... 
I'm going to look up the actress's name because I've been calling everyone by their by the actor's name, which I know is a sort of an affront to the actor because they are not the respective murderer-killer people. Um, but since I've been doing that throughout... It's going to happen any second. It's technology. It's the future. Welcome to the future. Oh, gosh. Bless her good heart. Um, Libe Barrer? I'm going to go with Libe. Or is it Libby? Oh, fuck. The frog woman. Sorry. Um, so, the <laughs> we're back to frog woman. Okay. But uh, that moment where we watch her watch that scene and we have seen that she has seen that John Tenney killed the lover and we have to watch her watch not just that she has to be quiet um while she watches this guy get killed which is itself difficult she has to be quiet while she watches the man who killed him guilt his wife into burying the body by making her think that it was their son and berating her for being so upset about it, their son having potentially killed Like, that, that moment of having to watch her watch really maybe the most sinister moment of the movie um, and have to be silent. Um, and that is... A great scene. Um, it's it's so good, and and this brings me to the sort of the, the sort of next part, which is, um, and and I, I don't want to over over or overstate the the parasite comparison, but obviously these are two movies about people who are financially strapped, basically homeless or nearly homeless living off of the resources or manipulating resources from some wealthy family to find, you know, uh, basic necessities like a comfortable home and a safe space to live and, and, and food and, and, and shelter. They are both movies where this working class is really at the fringes of the home, but, but ultimately actively working their way into, in some way, conning the people who are the legal owners of the home. Uh, and in both cases, there is a really strong uh, undercurrent of you know, sympathy and empathy for the, for the working class people who are just so desperately trying to survive that um, in the case of Parasite, they really kind of almost perpetuate that same uh, marginalization by keeping other people at bay. And then it sort of like cycles down. In this movie, it, it all sort of pans out differently. By the way, I guess these are also spoilers for Parasite. Sorry. Well, I haven't said anything very specific. Most of that's in the trailer. Don't kill me. Anyway, so, but, but this movie kind of, it pans out in a different way, which is, which I think is kind of better, um, which is, it's really, uh, I think, an even more scathing critique of, of of the upper class. Like, it's... In, in Parasite, they're kind of, like... I don't know. They're part of a systemic structure that oppresses people uh, by creating a, a financial need and then exploiting their labor for capital. But... 
and and I see you. It's really um, like they're re like the dad's a serial killer, so dad is fucked. And I feel like dad is fucked is like a a, a mindset that many people, including queer people, people of color, um, people of all genders, at this stage of life, in historical time. Dad is fucked is like a thing I you think she go on a t-shirt. Like like dad is not taking care <laughs> Dad is not taking care of us. Dad is fucked. Dad is a serial killer. Dad murders little boys. Like dad is fucked. And I think the even though you might say it's like a more uh subtle critique that in Parasite the family is not like evil evil, but more just sort of like neutral evil. Like fuck it! Like I love that this is a movie where these these this uh, these people who are who are struggling and starving and trying to live uh, and and are sort of playing this family that they're that they're sharing a house with. Uh, that this is a movie where they outright like uh, the frogman who has and we'll get to this part, but has an added incentive. Um, which is that he, well, I'll say it now. He seems to be based upon the very, very, very last revelation, uh, some survivor of the exploits of John Tenney, the serial killer dad. Um, but that this is a kind of tr- true vengeance narrative. It is truly about how dad is fucked and evil. And, wh- you know, when there's that moment, um, I don't want to say more about Parasite because I don't want to give everything about Parasite away if you haven't seen it. Um, but there is a mo- there is a kind of, uh, there's an overflow moment, as is expected in every narrative. There's a moment where everything comes to the fore. And I feel like in Parasite, it is great, and it's... Uh, it has a very visceral quality. But the scene in I See You, where the dad is like, when I was a boy... And the frogman's like, I don't care, and shoots him straight in the chest. And and really, like, is going to go down with the ship because he knows he's probably going to get framed for murder. And, and and he is, you know, shot nearly dead, although he's not dead at the end. Um, that is just, like, such a great... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I hate to be, like, this scene of violence is very cathartic. But this scene of violence is very cathartic. Like, the 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 just the complete um, total. I like I do I do not care about the whatever the pains are that motivate you to hurt people. Um, that doesn't excuse what you've done. Uh, and the and the fact that you just sort of like eye to eye. Which by the way, the scene where like we know the dad is the serial killer and also the frogman grabs the axe. That is fucking cool because it really, for a moment, has this very Kong versus Godzilla or like Freddy versus Jason energy of like, oh, the two the two scary things are going to collide now, um, and then ultimately, of course, you know, this is the you know up to the up to the really very very end. My my concern with the sort of politics of the movie was like, is this a movie that is ultimately kind of still making this renegade figure who is serving up some form of vengeance for the corruption and the crime and the the murder that's perpetrated by this by by dad um (laughs) by dad 
uh, is that figure still going to come out of this being essentially un unstable and dangerous? And, and you know, it, it, like, are they both going to be the villains here? Uh, or you know, is there is there decency in the Frogman? Uh, and then we find out the Frogman has this extra layer, and um, and that the Frogman is not just an avenging victims, uh, but rather is himself a victim. And then I feel like more than ever, um, we understand we understand why he was fucking with that family. We understand why he wanted to be there. We understand why he wanted them to feel bad. We understand what he wanted from them. Uh, and that last scene, by the way, I think is really good. It's it's a very quiet montage of images. And the way that the movie chooses to play the realization by everyone of what is going on is, I think, again, really subtle. The fact that Helen Hunt um, just comes back and looks at that truck and we know that she knows that her husband is a serial killer. Or rather that she's she's realizing that her husband is a serial killer. And we don't have we don't see her break down, we don't see her cry, we don't see her give a monologue about how you never really know someone. It's just uh, an image. It's just it's just an image of Helen Hunt looking at that truck and everything that we need to know is in that image. And that's really beautiful, subtle filmmaking. So like, you know. <sighs> classy shit like that's really good that's really good and 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 that you know the last shot where we sort of see him blink we see that he's alive the frying man and the camera pans up or whatever flies up um and leaves him sort of like small in the frame uh you know we don't he doesn't give a speech about being a victim, and it's it's a it's a flashback. It's really quick. Everything is done visually. We see the frog in the pocket. We know that he was this kid who met this guy when he was a kid, and he came back to get vengeance. We know we see him blink. We know he's alive. It's all visual detail. There's no excessive dialogue. There's no kind of like maudlin. The end of Parasite. I don't want to spoil. Is I think so maudlin, respectfully, that I just was like. Eh. Not into it as much by the end. But this movie, at the end, by the end, I was the happiest. I was like, this is great. Um, and also, from the perspective of someone who's allegedly doing a queer horror podcast, like, this is a, a movie about, um, you know, uh, like, fuck child killers and eat the rich and, like, let's change the world. I mean, there is an energy of that that is very contagious about this movie. Um, and I think this would appeal it appeals to me and I think it would appeal to other people who have those sympathies and those energies that they want to extol like there is a there is an interesting compelling narrative about an underclass of people trying to fight for a place in response to an abusive and and really uh, oppressive upper class of people and that's not just like that's not just a like silly fun movie that's a really that's a movie movie um i want to say some things about owen teague i didn't quite elaborate he first of all he kind of looks like a frog which i think is perfect casting he, he, I, don't, I don't know if it's being done by him if it is he's extra good 
But there's this way that his face looks at many times, including in the last shot where he kind of makes his face look quite a lot like the frog mask, which <laughs> I think is extra special. Um, he's so good in this role. Uh, I did not know who he was, and I, I learned his name because I was like, I need to know who that person is. And it doesn't happen that often. Um, I think the last time I did that was when I saw uh, Timothy Chalamet for the first time in that movie Miss Stevens that Julia Hart directed about that like class speech and debate tournament. Um, but I, I was like, I need to know who that is. Uh, he's so good. He's good, creepy. He's good as a protagonist that we relate to. He is. He's good as a sort of ventral killer. <laughs> Uh, he's good at everything in this movie. It's a really great performance. It actually ends up being a really great character. Uh, especially for a character who's not in the first half of the movie. Um, both of those actors, by the way, do an amazing job of being totally captivating for people that we have not, we have not been watching them. And they have to make us care about those characters so fast so that we don't feel like we've been betrayed by the fact that we have been watching other characters for the first half of the movie. Um, the, those performances are great. I would say on, on the whole, all the performances are great, but I feel like particularly Owen Teague as a, just as, he was, is the most complicated character actually in the whole movie. Um, it's so good. Anyway, if you made it all the way to the end of this, congratulations. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume you saw the movie or you uh, didn't care. In which case, you know, uh, please still see it if you haven't seen it yet. It's a movie I recommend highly. Uh, and, you know, if you're still here, I just, I have to say that, um, you know, it is true that we uh, we do convert and it is contagious. So you're totally gay now. Okay, bye!